We are in a three-part series titled, Not Quickly Broken. And in this series, we're walking along our prayer and fasting that we're doing here. And this is important. You guys have been part of our church. You know that this is our battle rhythm. In January, we sit down and we do prayer and fasting together. And last week, you heard me talk about the importance of preparation. And that's what prayer and fasting does, is it prepares you for the moments and difficulties in your life that you're going to face. Because again, we talked about it, that there's going to be times when you face difficulties. There's going to be moments when you face difficulties. There's going to be times when you face temptation. And there's going to be times when you receive a calling from God that you may not, if you don't prepare, be able to handle in that moment. So what prayer and fasting does is it prepares us for going forward. Now, we are theming this prayer and fasting. We want to do two things, if you guys remember. We want to praise, right? We want to praise God for what he did last year, and we want to prepare for what he's going to do this year. So we want to prepare our hearts for what he has planned for this year. And some people always sit back and go, well, hold on, Brandon. We don't know there's going to be what battles we're going to face. You're absolutely right. We have no idea what battles you're going to face. But I don't think any of us sitting in this room would say, well, we're not going to face any battles in 2023. We are. We're going to face temptations and struggles and battles. And I would hope we're also going to experience greater callings from God. So we need to prepare ourselves and we need to get ourselves to be resilient people that are ready for what God is going to have us do. Now, today I want to talk specifically about a topic that many of us know about, we hear about, we talk about it all the time, uh, but maybe we don't put it into practice as much. And that's going to be prayer. Prayer is one of the most important pieces of your spiritual life. And most of us, if we're just honest with ourselves, and I think we should be, prayer comes difficult. It seems hard. It seems unattainable. And there's many reasons for that. In fact, Jesus talks about why prayer is not actually this big, crazy, unattainable thing. But I mean, if we're just honest, prayer can be difficult sometimes, can't it? I mean, you probably have questions, or maybe you have statements where you just think, Brandon, I would love to pray, but I am busy, right? Have you ever thought about that? You ever skip through and go, look, I'm just too busy to stop and pause for a second and pray to God, okay? And, and you sit back and you go, I just don't have time. Or maybe, maybe it's, Brandon, look, I've never done this before, and it's kind of weird sitting in a room speaking out loud. For the first time you ever pray, you may feel like, am I being kind of ridiculous? Is this, what's going on here? How does this work? Maybe it's the question, look, dude, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even know how to pray. I mean, what, what on earth do I say when I talk to the creator of the universe? How does that work? And then there's the next thing. Is there a way I should do it? Is there a specific word I should start with? Do I have to start this way and then end this way? Is there like Hail Marys? or Like, how does that work? I don't know. I heard some people have specific prayers. They pray every day. And then, you know, some people go over here. And then I've heard that there's some people that go into their closet and they wrestle the devil. And I don't know what that means. So I'm not about that life, Pastor. I just, I just don't know how to pray at all. And I mean, the other question is, what if I do it wrong? Like, you know, send it, you prepare a text and you forget to sit, hit the send button. What if I don't know what the send button is to get it to my heavenly father, Brandon? I'm not sure about this praying thing. And if we're just honest, I think some of those feelings or thoughts or a variation of them, we've all experienced before, haven't we? We've run through those moments in our mind. Or maybe it's even more of a struggle and you go, I've been praying a lot and I don't hear anything back. It's just radio silence. And it's hard to manage. Luckily for us, gee, we weren't the only ones to think this way. 
In fact, Jesus' disciples thought this way. They, they actually recognized that maybe they had praying all wrong, and they had questions that they needed answered, and they couldn't figure it out. So in Luke chapter 11, he records this. Luke says that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. There's, a, there's almost an implication that Jesus turns around and he begins to pray, and everybody goes, hold on, we think we're doing it wrong. Wait a second, Jesus, you sounded completely different than we do. You're doing something completely, totally different than what we're expecting. So Jesus, can you teach us? I mean, John had a great praying group of disciples. Jesus, can you teach us to pray the way that you pray so that we can understand? I mean, come on, Jesus, teach us to pray. So today in this sermon or in this message, I want to ask this question, and it may offend you, and that's okay. I'm really good at that. Um, The question is, are we praying wrong? Is it possible, and I know that some of us that maybe we're fighting our ego and we say, no, 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 Brandon, I've been praying for 30 years. I don't pray wrong. I pray excellent. Maybe a little pride in that statement, but I'm not here to deal with that today. The thing is, is the question we have to ask is, are we praying wrong? Or maybe we're just kind of shortchanging ourselves in our prayers. Maybe we've, we've kind of adopted the cultural norm instead of the biblical norm, if I can get real for just a second. Because Jesus' disciples say, teach us how to pray. And so he does. He teaches his disciples exactly how to pray. But before he actually teaches them what to do, he starts with what not to do. He starts with what you don't do. He says, and when you pray, which the implication is that you should pray, and you ought to pray, he says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Now, his point is this, performance does not equal power. Because you have all the right words, and you know what to say, and you have the big booming voice or the soothing voice, it doesn't matter. The performance aspect of it, if you're praying for the attention of man, then that's the only attention you're going to get. Your heavenly Father is not going to notice it. And I didn't say that, Jesus said that. That if you're praying to impress people, then what's going to happen is you will just impress people. Your heavenly father is not going to be like, whoa, did you hear how many big words Brandon used? He's not going to be like, Gabriel, get a load of this. He's doing it in the King James Version. (laughs) And I know we got some King James lovers out there, so I ain't hating on it. I'm just saying. It sounds more spiritual when you you speak from that version, right? And, and, And there's not a point at which the power is somehow linked to your amazing choosing of words or your enunciation of those words. And it's almost like God is saying, and Jesus is implying this, I would never imply this, but Jesus is implying this, that when you pray to perform, that's the only reward. When you pray and somebody goes up and, and the whole reason you're praying or the point of it is you want to pray really loud, you want everybody to notice how spiritual you are and you use all those words, it's almost like that when somebody comes up and says, hey man, that was a great prayer. Jesus is like, that's the only praise, you, that's, that's it, that's all you're going to get. Like your father doesn't even hear those. 
He wants something completely and totally different. And you've known these people before, right? In fact, I bet I started speaking and you were like, I know one of those people. I've been in small group with those people, right? This is, uh, it, this is, this is Betty, you know, you, we all have a Betty when we sit down to pray for lunch. And she, she really goes, it's supposed to be, you know, it's a lunch prayer. It's a simple lunch prayer. But we're three minutes in, and she's proclaiming the provision of God and the way he provided for Israel, and he will provide for you, right? And you're like, I'm really hungry. I just want to eat, right? And you've ran into those people before. Or it's, it's the guy at small group that uses all of the big words, and he uses the spiritual big words, and he uses them all. And you just feel like, I can't even, I don't even know what those mean. I hope God had a dictionary, because I'm not sure what that meant. But it sounds really good, and it sounds really spiritual. And again, Jesus' point is those people, when we pray that way, when we set that as the standard at which we pray, and we make that the way we want to pray, then we've already received the reward. And it was when everybody here went, ooh and ah, but your heavenly father didn't hear it. And again, Jesus, he said that I would never say something so offensive like that, that your performance doesn't equal power in your prayers. He continues, he says, but when you pray, so don't do that, but when you do, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says that prayer is meant to be private. It's meant to be a connection point. It's a conversation between you and your heavenly Father. It doesn't have to be this big crazy thing that we make it out to be sometimes. If being more liturgical and structured about it is good for you, great. If you just need to talk to God when you're a crying mess, he hears that too. It doesn't have to be the way that sometimes we we think about it. And prayer is meant to be intentional. It's intentional. That's what Jesus means by go into the closet, meaning set time aside to pray. Set time aside to pray. Now, I know many of the people who are leaders in the room and who have families, we all do the same thing, right? Because I used to do this too. We sit back and we go, hold on right there. Be intentional. Use time. Brandon, I can't do that. I, I am. I have about this much margin in my time, and, and I can't give any more. So, I mean, that's going to be hard to be intentional with prayer. But that's a whole nother problem that we're going to get into later on this year. But the issue is that when we pray, or maybe we don't pray at all because the action needs to be intentional. Don't expect to have a robust conversation with God while you're sitting there trying to get dressed in the morning or trying to do your hair. Don't try to have a robust conversation with God when you have multiple other things going on around you because you're not going to have it. It's like trying to have a conversation. You ever had a conversation with somebody when they're on their phone? How mad does that make you? Husbands, wives, how much does it make you mad when you're sitting at the dinner table and your husband is sitting on the other side doing that? Aren't you ready to just flip out? Like, it's kind of something like that. We're not meant to be distracted when we pray, but we should give him our undivided attention. Thank you for the lighting for effect. It was great. (laughs) Prayer, according to Jesus, should be intentional. And prayer should should not be an afterthought, but a first thought. See, the problem is we go, all we can do is pray. That's it. All we can do is pray. 
But see, if we remember last week, it's all about preparation, right? Preparation for what God is going to call us to or preparation for what we're going to be tempted to. So it's all about preparation. And if we aren't properly engaging in it in some way, form, or fashion, then how can we come to the throne at the last minute and be like, look, I know we ain't talking like a year, dude, but it is messy down here and I need help. And when we do that, we reduce God to a vending machine. And we just have to show up, hit the right code, and then we get what we want. It's not preparation for temptation. It's not preparation for His calling. It's not preparation for hard times. It's just God is the cosmic vending machine. And when I need help, I just show up and say, Lord, help me now, please. But instead, it should be intentional. It's something that we do. And praying is one of the most important and powerful things you can do. Don't make it an afterthought. Make it your first thought. And I know we all get caught in that. But here are some reasons why you shouldn't, scientific reasons why you should pray. They found in a 2011 study that prayer actually reduces anger. They did. They found in a 2011 study that patients who prayed, who were going through uh, therapy for anger issues and anger management, consistently had reduced explosions of anger. Now, I'm not going to have any, anybody raise their hand, but I imagine that a few of us would be okay with reduced explosions of anger in our life. The other thing we've, that they found in a 2005 study is that prayer actually reduces anxiety. Not that you have to pray against anxiety, just prayer in general. Talking to your Heavenly Father reduces anxiety. So what they found is participants were divided into two groups, they had a group that just did self-affirmation type things. You are great. You are wonderful. Nothing wrong with you. You are love. That kind of stuff. And then they had another group that they went and they had them pray and they did affirmations towards God and prayers towards God. God is love. God has me in the palm of his hand. God is here for me. He is with me. And what they found and they did this for 20 minutes. They just, they just prayed for 20 minutes. Some of you are like, that's a long time, right? But they found the group that, pra- that practiced prayer showed greater decreases in anxiety and stress and a more positive mood. And here's the kicker. This is, this is the crazy part. They also tolerated pain twice as long when they put their hand in an ice water bath. And they weren't praying, they, 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 they did that after they prayed. Same times, same time of day, same, same thing. The only thing they did is they shifted the focus from me and everything and how great I am, and they shifted the focus to how great and how perfect and how wonderful God is, and we were in the palm of his hand. And here's the last thing that prayer does. And this one, I didn't believe this study when I first found it. I didn't believe it at all. But there's an interesting piece of science and study that comes out of Duke University Medical Center. And they found, and they did it with a group of 150 cardiac patients who received post-operative therapy. So after they had cardiac surgery, they received therapy. And what they did is there was a group of individuals who received intercessory prayer. For those of you that are new to the Christian community, that means somebody was praying for them. And they didn't know. This is what was absolutely insane. It was a double-blind study. So the people 
who were being prayed for had no idea that they were being prayed for. And the people had no clue whatsoever. The researchers did not know who was being prayed for. It was done outside. And what they found, this fascinating study found, they found that the people who were prayed for, intercessory prayer on their behalf, had the highest success rate within the entire study. I didn't believe it when I first read it. I was like, hold on a second. And I went back and read it again. And sure enough, it's public. It's published by the Duke University Medical Center that when people were prayed for, and they didn't know they were being prayed for, so there's no way it was a placebo. The researchers didn't know that people were being prayed for. It was done by a third-party research. So those individuals that were prayed for showed the highest recovery because prayer works. It works. Now, notice I didn't give you a blank check for God. Checks are like those small things that have, you write your name on them and you put a number in it. Those of you that don't know what checks are, old people use them. I'm an old person. I use them. See? <laughs> Seasoned people. Seasoned. I'm going to riot in here. Seasoned people use them. <laughs> the, uh, the point is, is that we did, the, it's not a blank check for God. It's not something that you can just take and say, yeah, well, prayer works, so God, I'm praying, why aren't you delivering? It's not like that. It, it doesn't work that way, but it does work. There's a whole factor that is included in that, and we're going to cover that in just a second, because Jesus continues, because prayer has a direct effect on our lives. So back to the don'ts of prayer, because Jesus wants to make sure that we get what we do, should not do, because he's seen it so much in the religious leaders and everybody else, of what they do, and it's not healthy, and it's not helpful. So he pulls it back, and he says, and when you pray, so the implication is you ought to, do not keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Be intentional with it. That does not mean that, hey, I heard for the longest time when I, when I first became a pastor was the preacher has to pray for a whole hour a day. He has to. It's part of his deal. He has to. And I was like, that's a long time. I don't know if I can just start praying for a whole hour a day. And then I read this, and Jesus is like, don't keep babbling on. Get in, get out. Say what you need to say to your Heavenly Father. Have a conversation, and then go on. If that conversation goes for an hour, Amen more to it. Go ahead, do that. But if it does not, then do not try to force it and make it this thing where you just have to come up with more words. And there's a, a sense in which sometimes we don't feel like we really prayed, but the truth is, is we don't have to use Jesus, to use Jesus' words, babbling on like the pagans. We should not have to worry about that. Don't try to impress him. He's not impressed by your big words or the amount of time that you've prayed. You don't get to go to God in the end, and then he puts up it on the scoreboard and says, how many minutes did you pray in your life? This person prayed the most. They get the front seat of the table. Not how it works. So, next question. so we get all through the part where Jesus is talking about what we should not do, right? And we all sit back. We all go, okay, we're good. 
I'm there, Brandon. You've convinced me. I want to pray. I want to start praying more. I'm going to set it up this year to start praying more often. I had a good routine. I got out of a good routine. I'm just going to start praying more. I'm there. But then the question is, how do we do it? What happens next? And it's like what Jesus said, teach us to pray. So he does. He says, when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing we should do when we pray, I'm going to give you a real simple three-step process when it comes to praying, and then you fill, you fill in the blanks. The first is praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He's done in your life. Praise Him for the little things. Praise Him for the big things. Praise Him for the circumstances. Praise Him in spite of the circumstances. Praise Him all of the time. Just because this is what it does, is it positions your heart in a place where you can do the next part. So the first step is praise Him. And this is simple. This is simple. You can pick different things throughout the week. What I like to do is I go through my family, and I just pick one person that I praise God for all the time in my family Every day. I just go, okay, today is this person. Today, tomorrow is that person. Tomorrow is that. And it helps me stay focused. I have to be organized, though, because I'll be wandering all over the place if I don't have a system for me. So it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just praise him for what he's done in his circumstances. And then the next thing Jesus tells us, he says, you should then pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. The second thing that we have to pay attention to, the second thing we have to lock into is trust Him. When you pray, praise Him and trust Him. This is where you come with the provision part. You say, God, this is what I need, right? And we all have that list, right? Because we all are part of a small group or part of people and they know you're a praying individual or they know you're a religious person and they'll come and they'll say, hey, I need you to start praying for this. I need you to start praying for this. I need you to start praying for this. And when they do that, you have a long list, right? And you're like, man, Lord, I don't know how to get through all this, but I got a lot. I hope you have a moment, right? We're, we're busy. We have a lot we want to come to. When that happens, the key is not to try to manipulate God or anything else. The key is to trust Him. The key is to trust Him. We lay it all out, and then, we, and then I like to say, because this is the way my grandma taught me, is your will be done. Lord, over all of these things I've just prayed, whatever you want, let that come to pass, because that's going to be better than what I want. And this is the part we struggle with in the American church, because we simply want more, right? And we don't understand why God doesn't give us. And we say, God, why aren't you working it this way? And he says, I've seen the picture so much bigger for me. I see your past. I see your future. I see those around you. I know what's going to happen. It's so much bigger than what we can see. So we have to trust him. And I know this one is hard. Believe me, I understand this one is hard. I understand that this is the one we want to push back on. I know this is the one we have all the questions about. It's like, hold on, you want me to trust him even though this is going on with mom, even though this is going on with dad, even though this is going on with my kids, even though this is what's going on in my marriage, right? Like, you want me to trust him even though, yes, 
trust him that he has the bigger thing in mind. And Jesus even says right before this, he knows what you need before you ask. But he invites you to ask. He invites you to have the conversation. He invites you to talk to him. But if you want to pray the way Jesus prayed, if you want to pray the way Jesus prayed, then trust him. And then, this is the problem we get uncomfortable with, is it means that we have to surrender to him. It's surrendering to the Lord daily. Surrendering to him daily is how you get to a place where you actually trust him. Remember what he said? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not mine, your kingdom. And you've heard me ask you, I've asked you this before. Whose kingdom are you building? Your own or his? So trusting him with everything, because that's what it means when we trust him. Trust him with your husband, trust him with your wife, trust him with your marriage, with your kids, at work, at home. Trust him in all those areas. And when you pray that way, you're saying, I'm trusting the Lord. Now this last one is just as uncomfortable as the second one. First one's easy. Praising God, right? I just have to remember to do it. That's the hardest part of that one. I got to remember to do it. The second one of trusting God, that's difficult sometimes because I don't know the whole story. I don't know everything's going on. And God, I have a way, if you're anything like me, you probably have a way you want God to act. You actually have it laid out somewhere. You call it a vision board, right? Or something like that. But you have an idea of what you want God to do. But that one's tough to get to. This next one's going to be even more uncomfortable. And many of you that have never been taught to pray this way or never taught the way of Jesus, you're going to go, that doesn't sound like what's the truth. But Jesus said these words. He said, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is the one that makes everybody uncomfortable. It means that when you pray, forgiveness is a requirement. When you pray, you've got to forgive the people who have hurt you. That does not mean you need to let them back into your life in the same capacity where they can hurt you the way they did the first time. That's not what I said. I said you have to get to a place where you forgive them for what they've done. You forgive them for the situation that you were in and the decisions that they made. Sometimes that means you have to forgive yourself for the decisions you made years ago. But it's almost as if you can say all these prayers, but if you're not willing to forgive someone or you're holding on to unforgiveness within your heart, you might as well not even pray because, and I know that sounds like a lot, but Jesus even talks about it when he says to one of, one of the followers, do not go to the temple if you, have a, if you have a problem with your brother. Fix the problem, forgive them of the problem, then go to the temple and pray. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to let them back in the same way that would hurt you again the same manner. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we got to get to a place, and I know this is so hard, believe me. You want to talk stories? I've got stories. But we're not here to talk stories. We're here to talk how we pray. And there's an obvious implication of forgiveness being a key, important piece of it. 
It's letting go of the offense. It's no more I'm going to get even. It's no more I'm going to show them. It's no more I'll teach them a lesson. It's none of that. It's fully letting go and giving it to your heavenly Father. Paul even says in Romans that the Lord, and he's quoting God from the Old Testament where he says, it's mine to avenge, says the Lord. You don't need to step in. Your role and your responsibility, according to Jesus, is to forgive them. Not let them back in to hurt you the same way. Not allow them to hurt your family the same way. Not allow them to hurt anyone around you the same way. Just simply forgiving them. Letting go of the offense and turning it over to God. You're releasing it to the Lord. And I understand that one is hard. It's tough. But it's key. And if we can remember that, if we can get to a place where we, when we pray, we focus on these three things, we will pray better and we will pray like Jesus. Because here's what I would like. I would like all of us to, if we do not have a prayer life, to have a prayer life this next year. Maybe you had one before, you got thrown off because of the holidays, because I know what's up, holidays are crazy. Maybe you can start one again now. Prayer and fasting is a great opportunity to do that. You want to do it. You want to be part of it. You want to be there, right? But this is a great opportunity to start praying again. Or maybe you're not sure and you're like, look, I've never even done it the first time, Brandon. I don't know. I just like coming here, hanging out with my friends, drinking coffee. And the music's good. But I've never prayed like that. I mean, I don't know what that looks like and means. Let me give you the, the basics. Start by praising Him trusting him. And here's the key, forgiving them. Praise him, trust him, forgive them. And I understand the implications of those. It is so hard to do those things when we pray. But if we get to a place where we can do that, then we will be praying more like Jesus. And I mean, wouldn't it be better to do, those two, to do those things instead of worrying all the time? Wouldn't life be a little easier this year if you were able to trust God a little bit more? Wouldn't it be a little simpler if we just got to a place where instead of holding on to that bitterness towards those, that individual or that family member or that person, that you were able to forgive them or that coworker or that boss? Where you could step aside and, and forgive them and release that bitterness out of your heart? Wouldn't this year be a lot easier and be better if you could do something like that? Wouldn't this year be better if you start all of your days just by being grateful for the Lord? Just a little bit. It doesn't have to be much. You guys hear me all the time. If you don't pray at all, add a minute to your prayer time. That's it. Add five minutes to your prayer time. That's all you have to do. Just five minutes. If you don't pray at all, pray for five minutes. If that's too long, pray for two minutes. If that's too long, pray for one minute. If you already pray, add some time to your prayer. Add some time that you spend with him. Don't babble on like the pagans, but make it meaningful time with him. Intentional time with him. Where you praise, you trust, and a place where you can forgive. Because your heavenly father knows what happened. 
He knows the scenario that you're looking into. He knows the scenario that you've been through. And that's a great place for you to start talking to him about it and to start the forgiveness processes in a prayer with him. But it starts inside of you. It starts inside of every one of us. So I encourage you this year, this time, if you haven't engaged in prayer and fasting, I encourage you to engage in prayer and fasting. Next week, we're going to talk about fasting because I don't want this to be something we do once a year and then we don't pray any other time of the year. I want to equip you to be able to do this going forward. Going forward. So into 2023, we're a praying group of people. And when it come, push comes to shove, we can handle it. We're prepared. We're ready. We're equipped. We're not just making it up as we go. So, praise Him. Trust Him. Forgive them. That's the way Jesus prayed. And that's the way we should pray. So, with that, I would love to pray with you before we stand and sing. Father, thank you. Thank you that one of the biggest questions we have in Christianity that is your disciples were brave enough to ask you and you were kind enough to answer in a very plain way. That we know what we should not do, but then we know what we should do. Lord, I pray that you would remind us as we pray to throw in a little bit of praise, lean really hard on trust, and then wrestle with that monster forgiveness. And Lord, that through those things, we would be praying more like your son. And we would have prayers the way he had prayers. If we would be people that would pray the way Jesus prayed. So Holy Spirit, empower us this week as we start a new prayer cycle. Maybe we started one at the beginning of this prayer fasting season. Maybe we haven't started one now. Maybe some of us are like, I'm starting it today. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray and we ask you that you would help us figure that out. That you would empower us to start that new habit, to start that new thing. Because as we learn today, prayer changes things. Maybe not always the way we want, but always the way you want. So, Heavenly Father, help us do that today. We love you. We give you all of the praise. And everyone said, Amen.